Welcome to Creating a Buzz About Health podcast with Paula Carnell. Hello, hello, hello. Now, today's episode is quite an interesting one for lots and lots of people. I'm going to be talking about hay fever. Almost every time I do a talk, I will get two questions. One of them will be about Manuka honey and the other one is about hay fever. And today I'm going to share what I've learned about hay fever. Now, growing up, I suffered very badly with asthma and hay fever. And right through until my teens, every springtime, I was really, really suffering. Even um, right up into autumn, there seemed to be something that would be coming out in September, October, and that would trigger symptoms as well. And as anyone who has hay fever knows, it really is debilitating. You know, you get sore eyes, your nose is running all the time, you're sneezing, you can have a tickly throat. It really is a very uncomfortable condition. I don't know if you can hear this, but I'm recording this on what seems to be a flight path for everyone coming home from somewhere. Um, It was quiet yesterday and there was this wonderful sound of bird song where I am. Um, But today it's it's a flight path. Anyway, so ignore the occasional planes. They're all coming in. Now, when I get asked about hay fever. Initially, when I first recovered from Ellis Danlos, And I would do a lot of talks about health and about my own health recovery. And because I was a beekeeper and because I take honey and I'm a honey sommelier, I often get asked about the connections between honey and hay fever. And we often hear, oh, yes, you should take local honey. And that really helps with hay fever. Now, the idea about that is actually based on the sort of homeopathic principles that if you're taking local honey, you'll be ingesting small particles of the pollen that is perhaps triggering your hay fever. So that makes perfect sense. However, more often than not, particularly in Britain, people suffer hay fever from grass and bees do not collect pollen from grass. They do collect pollen from trees and that can be a a really um, strong trigger. If it's not the grass and if the bees aren't collecting the pollen from grass, you could say that you will have minuscule particles of the grass pollen going into the hives, being blown in or just carried in um, by bees just by chance. There is that excuse. There is that reason. Now, I took local honey for years and my hay fever healed and cleared up. I also still take local honey but I also take honey from all over the world and I do not suffer with hay fever in fact the only time I get really strong hay fever symptoms is when I'm doing some big work inside a hive and there's a lot of pollen in there and then I find my nose goes like a tap so the poor bees um, and my poor bee veil (laughs) is is, um, you know that's the real suffering from that and trying to blow your nose when you've got a bee suit on is not easy. Anyway, I would stand up on stage and I'd say, yes, and I take local honey and yes, it's helped me with my hay fever. However, what started to happen is I would get a couple of people put their hands up and go, ah, oh, but the science doesn't back it up. And this happened on a few occasions, which triggered me, obviously. 
And it also made me think, well, what science was this? And where can I find the science? So it put me on a bit of a, um, a journey to try and find what science said that honey does not have an impact on hay fever. Now, because so many people suffer from hay fever around the world, there is a big industry in hay fever treatments. So I imagined that there would be some funding into proving that the hay fever treatments were perhaps more effective than local honey. Anyway, there was a big study done in at the University of Connecticut. I think it was about 2002. And they really wanted to study the effects of honey on hay fever. And they had a, a smallish group, I think it was about 30, 36 to 40 people that suffered with hay fever. And they were put into three groups. So they had um, a sugar syrup, they had a pasteurized sort of national honey, and then they had a local honey. And they were taking the honey um, every day sort of from March, I think, until May. And the results showed that only there was only a 10% reduction in the actual hay fever symptoms. And therefore, they could say, well, that's no better than placebo. Therefore, honey doesn't make an, um, a difference. Now, critics of that study who were looking at the methods used claimed that not all of the participants really suffered from hay fever and that the amount of honey that was given to each participant wasn't measured. So some people were taking large amounts, some people weren't. And also it wasn't taken soon enough. So they started from March instead of um, a lot earlier. Now, since that study, there's been two more studies that have shown that honey does, in fact, have a massive, massive improvement. So in 2008, there was a study in Japan and they were studying the pollen and they were testing whether or not pollen in honey has, um, you know, if, if the bees have collected the pollen and then put it through the honey, if that has any kind of anti-allergenic effects, which it does. And we know that and we know that honey is very good for boosting the immune system. And when you look at hay fever, what is hay fever? It's your immune system overreacting to a stimulant. Now, the study that I really get excited about was done in 2011 in Finland. Now, in Finland, about 25 percent of the population really suffer badly with um, birch tree pollen hay fever. Now, because um, Finland has a lot of birch trees, a lot of people get affected by it. But also birch trees produce pollen and nectar that bees collect. And so you can get a birch tree honey. Now, this is really exciting because to be able to get the honey of the trigger of your hay fever, that is like a double whammy. You know, that's that's going to be um, easier to see if there is a, a correlation using that sort of homeopathic method. So they had three groups. Again, they had a sugar syrup group. They had a birch tree honey group. And then they had a group who had a pure honey that wasn't local. So it wasn't pasteurized. And, you know, it wasn't a massively filtered honey. It was actually a honey that just wasn't birch tree honey, but was from the sort of Scandinavian region. Now, in their three groups, what they did was much more control about how much honey people took. And they started taking the honey back in November. And the government funded this study because the government were losing money because so many people were off sick every spring when the birch tree pollen was coming out. So 
they were taking a twelfth of a teaspoon from the November and then gradually increasing it. So by March, April time, people were taking a teaspoon of honey a day. Now, what they found is astonishing. <clears throat> First of all, the people taking the sugar syrup had the 10% reduction. So that's the placebo. The people who took the birch tree honey had a 46% reduction in their hay fever symptoms. Now, that is incredible to get that dramatic a reduction. And that's just from one season of taking the honey. But the fact that I really get excited about was the results of the people that took the other honey. Now, they had a 39% reduction in hay fever symptoms. This is so exciting because it shows that even if you take a honey that doesn't contain the pollen that is triggering you, you can have a beneficial effect. But the key thing is, it's got to be real honey. It can't be overfiltered. It can't be pasteurized. It has to be real honey. And when we look at real honey, honey is as only good and pure as the environment it's come from. So the environment where the bees have collected nectar and pollen has got to be pure and chemical free, but also the beekeeper's methods have got to be clean. You do not want any kind of chemicals that the beekeeper has used inside the hive coming through into the honey. And also if it's been over smoked, you're going to get particles of the smoke. So it's really important that you have a pristine honey. And this is where I contest the buy local. Yes, buy local food. Yes, support local people as much as you can. However, our health crisis and the movement of human beings means that we need to work now as a global community. There are lots of local communities all around the world who need support. And if you can get a honey from a really pristine environment, that is better for you than the honey from your own toxic environment, then that's what you should be taking. Obviously, if you know what the trigger is of your hay fever and you can get a honey that's made from that pollen or contains that pollen in it, then that's the best thing you can get. And that will really support your immune system and help reduce your hay fever symptoms. I really, really love this research and I think there, there is room for a lot more research and we need to look more clearly about why are our bodies reacting. Since I have become more healthy, I am less susceptible to hay fever. It really is only if I have my head inside a hive and I am just breathing in pollen. When I'm living normally, I barely suffer at all. What I do suffer from is if I get into a toxic environment, if I find, well, particularly EMF radiation, actually, that makes my nose run, that gives me headaches, and that creates the detoxing effects that my body has. So when you have a runny nose, all it is is your body going, let's get the stuff that our body doesn't like out of our body. That's why you're sneezing. That's why your nose is running, why you're coughing. It's just trying to remove whatever your body does not want inside it. We have to start looking at these symptoms, not as a symptom of illness, but as a symptom of our bodies working effectively. When we know our bodies are working effectively, we then need to start looking at why is it that our bodies are needing to extract these particles? What is it in our environment that is triggering this detoxing effect of our bodies? 
Now, if you are not able to get honey or if you'd like to know some other things that can really help with hay fever symptoms, then elderflower tea is brilliant. That really helps. And also stinging nettle tea. Now, they're very gentle and soothing teas that you can make yourself. You can just go and pick some elderflower from your local um, woodland or hedgerows if they've been allowed to grow. And you can also pick stinging nettles, but make sure that, you know, you wash them if there's a chance of dogs or cats have been on them or um, or definitely don't pick them if you think they might have been sprayed with any kind of chemicals. I have a little patch of stinging nettles in my garden. I also have some elder elder trees. And from there, I can pick my own stinging nettles and I can pick my own elderflowers. And I know that they're safe and they're clean. You can dry elderflowers really easily. And if you if you're addicted to sugar and you really don't like drinking teas, then an elderflower cordial is absolutely fine as well. That will give you some kind of um, some kind of support. So I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope that you find that interesting. And next time somebody says, oh, yeah, yeah, you've got to buy local honey to help with your hay fever. You know what to say to them. I hope you've enjoyed this. If you know anybody who suffers with hay fever, please share this information with them. Share the podcast. Subscribe so you don't miss any future nuggets that I might have to share with you. And thank you very much for listening. This podcast has been produced and edited by the wonderful B. Brooke. And the music was created especially for me by Raya. Thank you very much. You have to become yourself. Join us Open next time on heart. Creating a Buzz Open About Health heart. podcast with Paula Carnell. Buzz you later.